This week on Moms Moving On. Money is, I would say, one of the number one sources of fear and anxiety. People are very anxious about the future. A woman on the verge of divorce is is thinking about, my gosh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to my lifestyle? What's going to happen to my identity? Life moves on. So why shouldn't we? This is Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, your host of Moms Moving On, navigating divorce, co-parenting, single motherhood, and moving on. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another Moms Moving On. I'm so excited to have AJ Grossman on again with us today. AJ, my friend, is a repeat offender on the podcast. He was on with us a few months ago talking about how to protect your children in the divorce process. But now we're definitely pivoting and we're going to talk about alimony. AJ is the founder of Leapfrog Divorce. He's brilliant. His website alone will give you so much information. You'll feel like, where was this guy my whole life? But now he's here, part two. AJ, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Michelle. Such a pleasure to be here with you again. This is great because as we're recording, our first episode has just gone live about a week ago. And the response has been huge. I mean, there were nuggets in there that people are quoting to me every day in my DMs. And so I'm grateful for that because for a lot of us, protecting our children is the most important thing in divorce. Yes, absolutely. You know, Michelle, I don't know if we talked about this the last time, but that's one of the primary reasons that I do what I do. I was at my my mom's funeral. She she died uh, in 1997. And a colleague of hers had walked up to me and said, AJ, I don't know if you know this or not, but one of the last things your mom did was she helped walk me through a, a difficult case that I have. And to make a long story short, her, the information she gave me enabled me to save a child from an abusive parent. And I thought that, you know, that never left me. And I thought, wow. That's the kind of impact I want to have. Well, beautiful that your mother left such a legacy. And obviously, we're sorry to hear about her passing. But clearly, she also passed the baton to you to do great things. Um, Yeah. And I think for so many of us, especially if you're a child of divorce and you're working in the divorce space, you really are coming at it from a child first mindset. It's so important. But then there are things we, yucky things we have to discuss like money. And that's, you know, never fun. But you do have some great information about alimony, I know, in your on your website. And so I thought, why not start with AJ? But before we do that, can you give our new listeners a little background info on who you are? Sure. So I grew up in a household with two lawyers. My mom practiced, but my dad didn't. And so I was uh, surrounded by legal speak, if you will. And always in the back of my my mind, I thought, you know, I'd like to become a lawyer. And um, the timing just was never right. And like like so many things, life handed me an opportunity. I thought, okay, now's the time to do it. So I, I went to law school, uh, met my current wife in law school, and we were getting ready to graduate. We kind of looked at each other and said, 
well, you know, on paper, we kind of look like the thousands and thousands of other lawyers getting ready to graduate. What are we going to do to separate ourselves from everybody else or make ourselves look different? So the crazy kids that we were, we decided to go on for more education. So we wound up going to the Strauss Institute out at Pepperdine University School of Law in Malibu, California for another degree. Uh, and that's called a Master of Laws in Dispute Resolution. So we got to learn all about uh, psychology of conflict and how to have difficult conversations. And so that's just that's just an area of my practice that I love. I love being able to to be a coach or a practical resource for my clients on on how to deal with conflict. I think it's so important. Like everybody, not just people in the divorce space, need to learn about conflict because yes. it's an it's an very important part of communication. I mean, you're not always going to agree with the people you communicate with. But anyway, I digress. So are you seeing in your practice today, knock down, drag out fights over money? Because this is what I'm going to speak for a woman on the verge of divorce. In her mind, it's like the movies. You go to court and you're just screaming and yelling over dollars and cents. Mm. Yes. So, yes, sometimes uh, I have a situation with knockout, drag out fights. And my approach is almost always uh, let's try and work through this as cooperatively or collaboratively as possible. And if it turns out that that's not an option, for whatever reason, then we can take a more heavy-handed, more aggressive approach, and we can lean on the courts if we if we need to. If we need a judge to make a decision, then we can certainly do that. But money is, um, I would say, one of the number one sources of fear and anxiety. Um, people are very anxious about the future. Um, a, a woman on the verge of divorce is is thinking about, my gosh, what's what's going to happen? What's going to happen to my lifestyle? What's going to happen to my identity? You know, am I going to be in the poorhouse? Am I going to have to live on the street? Uh, am I going to be able to afford to do the things I like to do and, and enjoy the life that I've enjoyed for the last whatever, 10, 20, 30, 40 years, whatever it might be. So huge source of fear and anxiety. Yeah. And I know that coming into a divorce with that fear and anxiety tends to heighten emotional responses and and how things are done. So really what does what does figuring out alimony look like for the average person? Okay, great question. I love it. So the way I coach my clients to think about it is sit down in a safe, quiet space. And just, you know, if you like to meditate, meditate. If you if you just like to, to think about things in, in a in a in a quiet place, do that. And what I want them to focus on or reflect upon is what does my life look like now? What do I want my life to look like after I'm divorced? And can I can I get there? And if I can get there, what do I need? How do I how do I get to that future? And one of the things I like to say is um, if you're a visual person, imagine there's a movie running through your mind and it's a movie of your divorce and your life after divorce. What does it look like? Are you, you're the main character. What, what kinds of things are you doing? 
What kinds of environments do you see yourself in? And then once they have this, this picture, this movie, this idea of, of who they are in their ideal future, their identity, the things that they're doing, the places that they're going, now let's take a look and, and, and see how different is that from your current circumstance or maybe the way your circumstances were while you were happily married? And is it something that we can, uh, that's feasible through the future? Or are we talking about going from, say, a, a lower middle class income to wanting to live, you know, a, a 1% type of lifestyle? That's probably not going to happen through divorce. <laughs> a girl can dream. Uh, yes, absolutely. So that's, that's one of the first things I do is I try and get, get people to picture what does your life look like afterwards? And financially speaking, what do we need in place to make that happen? And, and there are so many, there's such a wide variety of situations. Um, I, for example, I work with people who have a lot of assets, uh, a lot of liquid assets, some non-liquid assets that can be used to fund this ideal future. And then there are other people that they, they don't have assets. They might have a, a, a higher than normal income, but they just don't have uh, a lot of assets. So now we're just talking about income and how do we divide up this income so that so that each spouse can maintain as best as possible this lifestyle that they've gotten used to. You know, I, I, I talk with a lot of people about it's much more expensive to maintain two separate households than it is to maintain just one. So life is going to change likely uh, a little bit to maybe a lot. Um, so let, let's come up with some kind of a plan that gets you as close as possible to your ideal. So there's a, there's a misconception that I think women have like, oh, well, he cheated on me. So I'm going to clean him out and I'm going to take him to the bank. I don't think it works that way. Am I right? <laughs> you are right. And in Florida, there is a long list of factors that our judges have to consider when deciding to award alimony and deciding what type of alimony and also deciding how much. And that factor... Uh, whether or not there was uh, an extramarital affair is just one factor in that long list. So it's definitely not a slam dunk. Oh, he cheated on me. He's going to pay, pay me for the rest of my life. It does not work that way. Well, that's unfair. I mean, I, you know, I don't have experience in that department, but I know so many of my clients do come to me with that misconception and then they're so let down buy this. And then they're, you know, then they're, they get the forensic accountant because they're told that if there was money spent on the affair, if there was, you know, lavish travel or gifts or whatever, then she could be entitled to some of that. And I just, you know, I see hopes and dreams get flushed down the drain. Yes, yes, you're absolutely right. And and let's let's flip it a little bit because I, I work with with women and I work with men, and I've had a, a number of clients over the years who say, I don't understand the law. How is it that my wife can have multiple affairs, and then I have to pay her for the rest of her life mm. with alimony? I that just doesn't seem fair. Right. So it, it definitely goes both ways. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I only get one side of that coin, but that does seem pretty unfair. And so I like to come from it from 
if there's children involved, there, in my case, there always is with my clients, but your, your ex-spouse or soon-to-be ex-spouse still needs to provide a life for themselves, for their child. Like you, you cleaning out your ex means you're doing a huge disservice to your kids too. And so with that mindset, it helps a little bit, but money is a sore topic. I don't know how you manage your client expectations. How does that go for you? So sometimes it goes very well and sometimes it doesn't go so well. So I like to be a, <laughs> um, a reality agent for my clients. And and I don't like to be one of those lawyers who who just tells them what they want to hear. Oh, sure, we can get you permanent alimony in a, in a six-month divorce. No problem. I'm not that kind of lawyer. And so what I like to do is I like to lay out the facts of their situation that are going to be relevant if, if they were standing in front of a judge. And I like to talk with them about how a judge might look at those facts and how he or she would consider those facts. And then the possibility possible options that might happen with a judge's decision. And so so I try and give them as realistically as possible what the outcome might be. I always I always want my clients to be as fully informed as possible so they can make the best decision possible. I never want them to move forward based on a limited bit of information I've given them that they've kind of hung their hat on. Oh, AJ said I can get this. That's that's a bad situation. Yeah. Well, what does it actually look like? I mean, permanent alimony sounds like a dream, but I was under the impression that alimony is based off a formula, the number of years you've been married. Is, is that not how it goes? Ah, I'm so glad you brought that up. So in Florida, we do not have any alimony formula. Mm. Uh, over the last decade, there have been multiple attempts to reform our alimony laws and incorporate some type of a formula um, similar to the formula that we have for child support, uh, but that has not been successful. So we, still today, we do not have a formula for alimony. But other so, states do. Some states do. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. So when a judge is looking at um, an, a request for alimony, there are two critical factors that he or she is considering. One is the person who's requesting financial support or alimony from their spouse. Do they have a demonstrated need for the financial support? And that usually comes from um, a budget. Uh, in Florida, it's called a financial affidavit that they fill out with their income, their taxes, and their living expenses. And if somebody is short at the end of every month, say $2,000, they don't have enough money to pay all of their expenses, then they have a demonstrated need for alimony. So once that's been established, then the next question is, does the other spouse have the ability to provide financial support for this, this their spouse who is short every month? And if they don't have the ability to do that, then no alimony is going to be awarded or some kind of non nominal amount like a dollar so that if things change in the future, it can be modified. Um, and sometimes that happens. Sometimes, you know, there are two people, let's say a husband and a wife, and their incomes are roughly the same. And either the husband or the wife says, well, I need, I need $2,000 a month in, in support. And the other spouse says, I don't have it. We have the same income. We have very similar living expenses. I just don't have it. So it's tough. 
That can be so challenging because I think, you know, the concept of alimony has been glamorized in TV and movies and you just automatically expect it. And I know it's very sobering for a lot of people when they realize that's not happening. Hi, moms. If you're looking to sell your engagement jewelry, Worthy is the perfect option. With over 45,000 satisfied customers, Worthy is the most trusted name in the business. Would I bring you anything less? Worthy offers competitive auctions and gets you the best deal possible on your jewelry. Plus, I've connected with Worthy on a special bonus offer for the Moms Moving On community, a $100 Amazon gift card when your jewelry sells for over $1,500. Ready to move on from that engagement ring? Get started today at worthy.com moms. That's worthy.com moms for the special bonus offer. It's here. Oh my God, I can't believe it. My book is officially out in the world. Have you ordered it yet? It's called Moms Moving On, Real Life Advice on Conquering Divorce, Co-Parenting Through Conflict, and Becoming Your Best Self. Moms Moving On is filled with practical, actionable, and empowering advice from someone who's been through it and comes out the other side, me. Through inspirational stories, rituals, journal prompts, And my guidance, you'll learn how to navigate your divorce with confidence, adjust to life as a single mom, shift your perspective to find your way back to your best self, and create the life you truly deserve. So order it now. What are you waiting for? So other states have follow a formula. So is it based off of the number of years you've been married? So the formulas that I've seen out there and the formulas that I've seen proposed, it is based upon the length of a marriage. And usually what they do is they will assign um, a length or a duration for the alimony payments based upon the length of the marriage. For example, here in Florida, even though we don't have a formula, what I'm finding is With a a certain type of alimony we have, it's called durational alimony, which means it just lasts for a specific period of time. Um, The amount of alimony that's awarded by a judge is typically about half the length of the marriage. So if somebody was married for 10 years and they're asking for alimony uh, and there's a need and ability to pay, a judge might award five years of alimony. So that's Mm. about as close as we get to a a a formula. formula. Yeah, Got it. Okay. What, what gives somebody per, like what entitles somebody to permanent alimony? Great question. So in Florida, what our legislators have done is they have labeled different types of marriages based upon length. So for example, a marriage between one day and seven years is what they call short term. Okay. A marriage between seven years and less than 17 years is considered a moderate term. And a marriage that lasts 17 years or longer is called long-term. And so if somebody has a long-term marriage, let's say 20 years, we have a presumption in Florida that permanent alimony, meaning alimony for the rest of somebody's life, unless they get remarried, is presumed to be appropriate. And this is only in Florida because I know we have listeners everywhere. So that could be in other states. I am only licensed right. to practice in Florida, so I, I can't talk to uh, other states' uh, alimony laws. So basically, if you make it to a long-term marriage, like you are rewarded handsomely, like good for you for sticking it out. You get permanent alimony. Could be. Yes, could be. 
Okay. So I have other money related questions. One I get all the time is about inheritance. If somebody in the marriage has inherited a large sum of money, whether from a trust or a family member passing away or a business that is sold, is the other person allowed to touch that in the divorce process? Oh, that I love the way you 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 phrased that question. So, why if, it was good? It was it was excellent. It was excellent. I sound like because, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you do, you do. So you asked, is the other person allowed to touch that money? And I love that because what I run into a lot is situations where uh, one spouse has received an inheritance, and they have put that inheritance money into a joint checking account. And they've used the money in that joint checking account for their living expenses, to pay their mortgage, to go on vacations. And then when it comes to uh, getting a divorce, they say, well, that inheritance money was mine. You, sh- you shouldn't, you know, my spouse shouldn't have uh, any interest in that inheritance money at all. I mean, that came from, you know, my mom or my dad. The problem, at least in Florida, is that if you get inheritance money and you do what's called commingling the funds. In other words, you mix those funds with your marital funds. In my example, it was putting it into a joint checking account. Basically, what you've done is you've gifted your inheritance to the marital couple. Oh, my God. Yes. And so all of a sudden, that becomes a marital asset that needs to be split between the two spouses. So what I tell people all the time when they have inheritance questions, the the first thing I ask is, what have you done with the inheritance money? And if they say, I haven't received it yet, then I say, okay, open up a separate account just in your name and have the inheritance put in that account and don't use it for any marital expenses at all. Keep it completely separate. If they do that, then their spouse has no entitlement to to even a dollar or a dime or a nickel of that inheritance. Wow, that's really good advice. I bet you a lot of people did not know that. Um, That's amazing. (laughs) So is it the same for trust funds? So trust funds are very interesting as well. And um, boy, how do I how do I start with this one? So I'll, I'll start at the the baseline or the foundation. So there there are a lot of attorneys in 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 Florida that don't understand that when you're dealing with a trust, you are dealing more likely than not with a really a third party or a third entity. That trust is not the husband. It's not the wife, it's not one of the spouses, that trust is actually a separate entity from the marital couple. And so if one of the spouses wants to access funds or assets in that trust, they actually have to name the trust as a party in their divorce. So on the the front page where it has, you know, the, the, the husband's name, Uh, and then petitioner, uh, the wife's name is respondent, there would actually be the name of the trust 
as an as another respondent. And you absolutely have to do that if you want to get any kind of access to what is in the trust, whether it be a home or cars or jewelry or, you know, an art collection or or what have you, whatever is whatever is being held by that trust. You have to name it as as a party to get access to it. Not only that, but there needs to be an individual who is responsible for representing that trust in the divorce. Wow. And y- yeah. Usually it's, it's a like trustee. an imaginary friend. Okay. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so that get, that can get very complicated. Wow. Sounds like it. Okay. So I have one more question for you. And this one I also get from people who just don't know, like myself. Can alimony, the amount that you get, override the child support number? Great question. So at least in Florida, child support and alimony are two separate numbers that are are both based upon uh, the incomes of the of the, the spouses or the parents. So since we have a formula in Florida, Uh, there is going to be an amount that is determined based upon the number of children that that a family has and how many nights those children are sleeping at one parent's house versus the other parent's house and their relative incomes. So, for example, let's say that um, we run the child support formula and it says mom owes dad $100 a month in child support. And then uh, we're doing the alimony calculation, if you will, and it says um, dad is going to owe mom $100 a month in alimony. They don't cancel each other out. Got it. They're, they're each going to be they're each going to be paid because they're for two separate things. Okay. And so I will have clients who come to me and say that their ex or soon to be ex husbands tell them, well. If you're getting child support from me, there's no way you're getting alimony. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. Okay. Well, that's good to know. AJ, what are some of the most common misconceptions that you find that people have about alimony? Uh, You brought up one of them. Um, my husband or my wife cheated on me, so they're going to pay me for the rest of my life. That's mm-hmm. number one. Uh, number two, uh, some people think that um, the alimony that they're going to get is going to be half of a spouse's income. So my husband makes $10,000 a month, so I'm going to get $5,000 a month in alimony. It does not work that way. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, other people think that alimony automatically stops if my spouse gets a new significant other and they move in together, it doesn't work that way. They actually, in Florida, if somebody does that, if, if a former spouse gets a new significant other and they move in together, in order for alimony to be reduced or stopped, that new, that new couple, the former spouse and, and their, their new significant other, has to actually hold themselves out as if they were a marital couple, a married mm-hmm. couple. And they have to share expenses like mm-hmm. utilities, rent, what have you. And so just because, um, you know, your former spouse that you're paying alimony to gets a new boyfriend, so to speak, doesn't mean your alimony is going to stop. 
that's I actually have heard that one. Like, is it okay if he knows that I'm dating? Is he gonna not give me my alimony? Yep. Mm -hmm. Listen, we don't know. Nobody teaches us these things. I certainly, I mean, I didn't have a, a situation with alimony, and so I don't know. And and I'm so glad we're finally touching on this topic. AJ, where can everybody find you if they have more questions about alimony or the divorce process in general? The best place to find me is online at www.leapfrogdivorce.com. It's a great website, everybody. Obviously, I'll link it. You might have already seen it from our last episode, but check it out again. There's probably more resources on there for you. And to everybody listening, thank you so much for being here. We'll see you next time on Moms Moving On. Imagine a place to get all of the resources you need and deserve while going through the divorce process, from legal and mediation tips to expert co-parenting advice and heartbreak healing words of wisdom. Imagine a place that offered weekly words of wisdom and inspiration curated just for you by me to help motivate you and make you feel seen throughout the toughest days of your divorce journey. Imagine if that place also provided you with the opportunity to connect with other moms who are going through the exact same thing as you. That place exists and it's called the Moms Moving On membership community. With two membership options, you are guaranteed to find your village and thrive in this next phase of your life. Visit my website, momsmovingon.com and click on become a member to join our community now. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Moms Moving On. I hope you found today's episode to be helpful, inspiring, and give you the advice you need to feel empowered and strong as you move on. Don't forget to come say hi on Instagram at the Michelle Dempsey and drop us a line if there's a specific topic or subject you'd like us to discuss. Thanks. Stay strong. 